I just got hit by it felt like a Mack truck and everything went black. Just home from a brief stay in the hospital, Michael Packard still cannot believe he's alive. And all I could feel was just muscle and skin all around me. I couldn't see anything and I could feel the movement of the whale swimming and I was in total shock. Michael was diving off his lobster boat near Provincetown. He says he was in that whale's mouth for a good 20 to 30 seconds before the whale surfaced and spit him out. And then all of a sudden I saw a light and I was thrown from his mouth. He, he was shaking his head trying to eject me out of his mouth. And then all of a sudden I see Mike feet first coming out of the water like this. Michael says he thought about his wife and two sons in the jaws of that whale, just thankful he's home with them again. As soon as I landed in the water and was floating there in excruciating pain, I was like, oh my God, I'm alive. Long. There you go. Yep. Moby Dick story. Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So I was going to um, I was going to take the weekend off from live streaming, just chill out a little bit, settle in at the beach here because we're going to be here for the summer. And then, uh, you know, you had this uh, lobster uh, lobster man, I guess. Do we call him a lobster man? Um, he's doing his thing and he's doing some diving. And next thing you know, he ends up in the mouth of a uh, a humpback whale, and I'm like, holy crap! And I'm thinking, I'm thinking BS uh, right off the bat. But a lot of people say, no, man, this really, really happened. So I decided that I would get my friend Chris, aka Fish Guy Photos, on the live stream to to basically uh, tell us what's up with this uh, with this whale story and other things. Chris is a good friend of mine. He's uh, he's done a bunch of the um, podcast episodes over the last couple of years. And more importantly, he's a marine biologist. So let's say hi to Chris. What's up, Chris? Hey, Opie. What's going on, man? For the people out there that don't know, which which episodes of the podcast uh, did you do? Well, the first one was There She Blows, where we went yeah. whale watching. That right. was a lot of fun. We, that was um, amazing. We went, that, that, was, that was a great day. We went hunting with uh, – well, the, the screen is backwards here, but we went hunting with my hawk, Emmy. Yep. Um, we, we ate squirrel soup. Uh, yep. <laughs> we had venison and rabbit and all sorts of drank of beers and uh yeah it's been it was good stuff and we've had a couple like news related things that we've popped up but the uh, hunting with emmy was probably the big one there i loved loved that and and we did start with whale watching and i was mad at you that day because i wanted to get a lot closer to the whales and now with this story out of cape cod i'm like oh now i now i get it now i know why you don't go too close to the whales because you never know when they're going to breach to feed right yeah, I mean, I you know, I've I've had times where I'm just you know that thing when you find a whale, you got to shut the engine off, you know, put it in neutral. You don't want to shut the engine because you want them to at least still hear the boat. I've had a couple times where I'm just sitting and they're down, and you know, and, and depending on what they're doing, they could be down for a minute or two, or they could be down for twenty minutes. You know, so right. sometimes they come up all of a sudden a little bit close, a little bit puckery moment. You know what I mean? And uh, I got to interrupt for a second because I want to put this uh, this comment on the big screen. <laughs> Mike Volka, oh, we got the Moby Dick. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm just a little kid at heart. I'm, I apologize. So break down the story in Cape Cod, man. What do you know about this? You got a lobster man. Are they called lobster mans? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, a lot of them, you know, baymen, a lot of, from my experience, all the commercial fishermen that I know, they fish for everything depending on what the season is. So, you know, but Bayman is, is a great way to predict because, you know, I'm sure he okay. digs clams and he probably traps fish and all sorts of stuff. But uh, yeah, but when I, from what I was able to read and hear on the news, he was uh, diving for lobsters, scuba diving. And um, I've done that myself here on the island. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's tricky because you're, you're going down deep. You know, the water's cold, especially for lobsters. You don't want to get bit by a lobster. You know, a good-sized lobster will break your finger. So uh, yeah. it's a little bit of a challenge uh, to begin with. It sounded like there was a lot of bait fish in the area, what they call sandlands, which is uh, locally we call them sand eels, you know, just okay. little skinny fish that they feed on. He got swallowed. Oh, they said swallowed, and that's kind of misleading because a whale can't swallow 
something that large anyway. They, they're eating, they can only, their throat is not big enough. But uh, so it, it's impossible for a human to be in the stomach of a whale whole, right? Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, so, you know, you know, you're, you're familiar with the bunker, you know, the Atlantic Manhattan, that bait fish that washes up. Sure. You know, or we see what we saw that day whale watching. That's about yeah. as big of a food item they can swallow. Their throat's just not big enough. You know, they got I mean, an enormous yeah. mouth. But, you know, it's it's not enough to swallow a person whole. So when I first read the story, I was like, oh, he's in the stomach. You know, no, it's, you know. Uh, so humpback whales, they don't have teeth. They have what they, they have these things called baleen plates. So it's this long, it's the same material your fingernails are made out of. But it's these long plates that hang down from the roof of their mouth that on the inside are furry. And they got slots. So what will yeah. happen is when they... They open up their enormous mouth. They got grooves in their throat to expand their throat outwards. So they take in a large volume of water. They close their mouth and they squeeze the water out through those hairs, oh, which wow. then fish, shrimp, whatever they're eating gets stuck on. And then they wipe it down with their tongue and they swallow it. So, yes, could a, could a person fit in a whale's mouth? Most definitely. I guess the whale realized I can't swallow this thing, so I got to spit it out. That's the only reason that guy survived. You know, he's extremely lucky, too, because of the situation. So he was catching lobsters, which are on the bottom. So yeah. he probably wasn't in crazy deep water. I, I don't think they said anywhere, but he's probably less than 60 feet of water. Let's put it that way. And, you know, but let's say if he was free diving, if this was a different scenario and he was in a mile of water, and he was free diving yeah. at the surface, and this happened to a whale, and the whale dove a mile down. He's dead just from the pressure. You know, sure. So luckily, you know, he wasn't, the whale wasn't able to swim any deeper because he's at the bottom already picking up these lobsters. So it could have been a lot worse. You know, and, and the fact that it spit him out, you know, and he didn't lose his regulator. He was able to still breathe. And, you know, I think it said he was in there for 30 to 40 seconds. I mean, that could. Oh, uh, my God. Can you imagine that? No. I've seen the interviews, and he basically talks about, like, I, I just thought that was it. This is how my this is how my life ends? But, man, you know, if, if there's something else after this life, you got to hell of a story. Well, you I, know, I, I'd rather go that way than the expressway. Yeah, of course. I, I believe uh, humpback whales don't have teeth, right? Yeah, so all, there's two types. They break whales into two parts. There's baleen whales and there's tooth whales. So, like, the largest of the tooth whales would be the sperm whale. And they have fairly large teeth, you know. Uh, yeah. Human whales have teeth. Dolphin have teeth, you know. Um, things like that. But but humpbacks, fin whales, minke whales, right whales, uh, they all have baleen, you know. So, yeah. Uh, that's just how they feed. And, you know, and again, most uh, some of them filter really small krill from the water. Um, yeah. They get some of the largest animals in the world. The blue whale, the largest animal on the planet, has baleen and it feeds the same way. Have you ever seen the blue whale at the uh, Museum of Natural History? <laughs> I did. It wasn't hard to miss. I'm like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to the podcast. <laughs> oh, it's right there. You can't miss it. I mean, I was going there when I was a kid too, you know. I, I love that story. Me and Mike Bichetti, we went to the Museum of Natural History to, to roar at dinosaurs. And then I wanted to show him the blue whale. We walk in the room. Here's the big reveal. And that dummy goes, where is it? You can't miss the thing. It's hanging from the ceiling. And it's life size. Yeah, it's 100 feet long. It's, 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 it's crazy. And, that, and that's bigger than dinosaurs. I mean, it's, it's been the largest living animal on this planet. You know? Yeah. You know, speaking of whales, we, we still haven't talked about our experience. So I'm at the uh, I'm at this beach house. You know, I'm looking at this ocean outside my window, outside my window. And uh, because of you, now I see whales all the time. I just assumed you had to be in a boat miles out. And you're like, hey, dummy, just look. you got oceanfront property. In the morning when you're having coffee, just look out over the horizon about quarter mile, half mile out. You're going to see their blow. And ever since you told me that, I see whales all the time. It seems like the whale uh, population in general has come back uh, to Long Island. Yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those success stories. So like <clears throat> humpback whales, especially, they were they were hunted almost to extinction. And Long Island was a big whaling port. So you know, out by you, Montauk, and places like that were whaling ports. Um, yeah. Uh, so Sag Harbor, Cold Spring Harbor, and, you know, and you know they hunted just about to extinction. But now, due to protections. Uh, and clean, cl you know, cleaning up the environment. These animals have made a huge comeback. So, you know, people are always like, "Oh, it's so rare to see these." Well, yeah, yeah, for for us because we're not there. There's nobody alive that's been alive long enough to know the good old days. You know, so 
these whales have made a huge comeback. In fact, the humpback is not even endangered or threatened in the Atlantic Ocean, which is that's pretty amazing. Amazing to think about. I, I'm looking out over the ocean. How long ago was that? That was like uh, it was late back spring. in March, I believe. Oh, that was March already. That was three months already. It's it was yeah. I'm pretty sure that was March because because that was the thing when you when you called me and told me you saw whales, I was like. It's way too early to be seeing humpbacks. Yeah. The water's just too cold. The food for them is not here. So it was just odd that you, when you called me, I was like, are you sure? <laughs> let me, so let me set it up. So I, I'm looking at the ocean and I see, you know, whales. I'm like, oh, all right, I've seen this a million times. But then uh, usually they're out of sight. But these two whales, it, it looked like a mother and a calf. Um, they were just hanging out outside my house for well over a half hour or so, which I've never seen that before. So I knew uh, my my little knowledge that I have. I was like, this is different. So I called Chris, a.k.a. Fish Guy Photos on all his social media. He's got great videos of all sorts of uh, ocean stuff. And I go, Chris, man, these two whales, they're just chilling out in front of my house. And uh, it feels a little different to me. And I could barely get that sentence out. You're like, I'll be right there. You know, then on the way, I remember driving there, you're like, there's definitely two. There's, and I'm like, that kind of got me. Because, you know, we see the humpbacks together, but not always. And that's I, and that's where I was like, all right, I got to go check this out. You know, and I, I, you know, got there as quickly as I could. It was. Uh, well, you were, you were racing to get to my house. And I was giving you reports like, no, nah, man, they're still here. And you're like, oh, my God. The traffic, the damn traffic. I was like, yeah. come on, because there's only one road. It's one road out there, you know. And I'm like. And then you were telling me if. Uh, if they if they're what I think they are, this is unbelievable. This is really rare. So long story short, you get to my house, you run out, and uh, you're like, "Oh my god, I think these are right whales." And then you you put your ridiculously cool drone in the air. Your drone is sick, dude. <laughs> That's how you get a lot of great uh, video for your YouTube channel, uh, Fish Guy Photos. And uh, and then sure enough, you got the drone. You know, within reason, you were being respectful because. Well, so, so that was the thing. So, like, I had the feeling that they were right whales, but I couldn't tell from the beach. So I put the drone up. Yeah. When I got out there, I mean, you remember right away, I was, I, my jaw hit the ground. I was like, holy, these are right whales. I'm like, and, you know, and right away, there's all these things that start spinning in my head. Because, again, I am a marine biologist. I work with people that study these whales. And I'm like, I got to stay away from these whales. Because, like, with the humpback, you know, you can't get within 150 yards, you know, this but with right whales, you can't get within 500 yards. Really? You can't have your boat on. I mean, there's so many rules because they're so rare. Right. Uh, so right away, I went into freak out mode like, all right, I can't get too close because I don't want to get in trouble for this because they'll find you. It's a federally protected animal. But they're so rare. I was, I found, I, I, I felt I necessary to, to document it because, again, I work with people that work with these animals and every sighting of these whales was extremely important. You know, I mean, there's, the last survey they did, they they estimated there was 366 of these whales left in the world. And and two just happened to be outside my house. And I know a marine biologist. He's a friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, what are the odds of that, man? No, and what was even crazier was that, like, you were right. It was a mother and a calf. That, and that's what was just, like, mind-blowing because you could definitely see the size difference. And the reason that's so crazy is because... You know, in the last you know couple of years, they've only had a handful of calves, and they've actually lost more whales than they give birth. This year, though, they've had they had seventeen births. Oh wow! And this whale was first spotted off of Georgia. That's when they first realized that she had. So they spend their summer off of Florida. Yeah. And what happens is they migrate north in the spring, and they go to Cape Cod Bay, and they congregate in Cape Cod Bay, and also a little bit further north. Um, for the summer because they feed on krill and, and other plankton. They only give birth what every two years or something. Every couple year, I think it's couple every years. Third, I think it's every third year. Uh, again, don't quote me on that one, but it's, I, I think it's three, maybe four years. You know. And then you called another expert that uh, came to my house. We we're having a nice little uh, get together outside. <laughs> well, that was that was funny too. So I mean, so that was Rob D. Giovanni who uh, works for uh, AMC's Atlantic Marine Coastal uh, Coastal Society. At the time, we saw those two right whales outside my house. There were there were about 366 in the world. That number might be a little higher with those new births. Well, yeah, so, so they had 17, and unfortunately, already one of them is dead that I know of. Um, really? Shortly after, and, uh, it got hit by a boat in Florida, and um, the boat reported it because it hit something hard. It actually de destroyed the boat. Uh, they went and they found the calf wash up, and then they put up a uh, airplanes looking for the mom. 
and they found the mom and she had new prop marks on her. So he oh, actually the person hit both of the whales. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, they had 17 and they already lost at least one. I haven't gotten any updates recently, um, but, you know, it's everyone is, is you know, because I, I think it was like the past, past three or four years, they only had like four or five calves that yeah. they had to document. And because they stay so close to shore and they're up shallow, it's fairly easy to monitor them. I mean, you could fly the coast and, and do a grid and see them. So is it exactly 366? You know, they might have missed one or two here well, or there. Well, my point is, and you kind of uh, beat me to it, um, it was really sad listening to you guys talk about the right whales because you guys have all that experience. And you basically told me that it's just a matter of time before the right whale is extinct. There's 360-some-odd whales in the world right now. But unless we guard these things, which would cost a lot of money and a lot of time, you said there's just too much boat traffic and, and how they swim – they're, they're always always coming in contact with uh, with boaters, right? And, you know, and it's not just boats. It's funny how this conversation started. You know, we started talking about lobstering. A yeah. lot of these whales actually die from lobster traps. Oh, um, no kidding. Yeah, they get wrapped in the ropes. Oh, wow. Know? So what ends up happening is they get the rope wrapped around them. It digs in, digs in. It causes infection, slows them down. They can't feed. They end up starving to death. So yeah. between fishing traps, like lobster pots and boat strikes, yeah, I mean, it's – I don't know if we'll see a success story with like we do with humpback that we like we did with the humpback whale with so few animals that grow so, takes so long to grow. In yeah. fact, the whale that we spotted, they knew who her mom was, and her mom had four calves. That was her first known calf. Now, so you know, so they've got a family tree on a lot of these whales, but still, I mean, if it's going to take another ten or fifteen years before this calf is capable of reproducing, and that's if it's a female, you know, if it's a male, that's all right, that's great, but it's not going to really help with the population as much. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of sad. That's so tragic. And and why were they named the right whales? I mean, there was a time, obviously, they were all over the fucking place. It was the right whale to hunt. Uh, so they swim close to shore. So you didn't need a big vessel to go out to get them. You could spot them from, from your beach house, ring a bell, and all the local whalers would get in their boats, row out there, harpoon it, kill it, and when it was dead, it would float. Yeah. So imagine now towing a 50-ton whale that sinks. Well, now it floats, and so it's, it makes it easy to tow it back to the beach to process it, and they yielded a lot of uh, blubber. So, you know, so instead of oil, we'd use blubber to light, light lanterns and, and whatnot. And those baleen plates I was talking about earlier on a, on a right whale, they could be 12 feet long. Oh, wow. So, uh, and they would use them for things that we use plastic for today. So like car bumpers, women's corsets, things like that. So they utilize the whole animal. But again, if this is an animal, it's taken forever to grow. I mean, they'll live over 70 to 100 years, you know, um, and that could be longer. You know, they're just based on what they know now. Um, it's hard for an animal to reproduce and keep up. But they um, use them for car bumpers? Yeah, because back then they didn't make plastic. So, you know, that little bumper, they'd use it for that. They would use them for uh, horse whips, like the, this, the cane of a horse whip. Uh, yeah. Use for canes. I mean, all sorts of things that you think plastic would be used today, baleen was used. And because they were 12 feet long, it's like a big piece of lumber, well, you know. Is there part of the whale that makes uh, penises hard, like uh, <laughs> like, other, like other animals out there in the wild? I don't think back then people really were too concerned about that part of uh, life. You know, I think it was, uh, uh, as far as I know, I don't believe they use whales for any aphrodisiacs. But, again, I am not an expert on that area, so that could be the case. The stupid rhinos. I mean, I'm a fan of the rhinos, but the stupid rhinos. Someone decided that, uh, what, you, you grind down the horn and, and it gets your dick hard? And hey, that's why we're, we're down to, I think, one, maybe two. You know how many animals have gone extinct for that very reason? Right. It's <laughs> I mean, insane. It's, it's crazy. Just go take a little blue pill. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's crazy. I mean, like I said, at least with the whales, though, the things that they use the whales for were everyday <laughs> things, you know? Uh, I, I like this Kelly Arnold long. She goes, oh, if you had to. Of course I had to. <laughs> I get frustrated by some of these other countries that aren't like with modern times and they still think killing these uh, majestic animals will get your penis hard. It's like, stop already. We, yeah. we got the chemistry now. You don't have to kill the rhino to grind down the horn well, to get and, a virgin penis. But even crazier things. So, I mean, all right. So, like, let's, like, a horn, it's like shows power and size and stuff. What about the gallbladder of a black bear? 
I mean, that also, they kill black bears just for their gallbladder. For I what mean, reason? For the same reason. So oh, it's, like, this. it's an aphrodisiac. So it's, again, it's who came up with that? Like, right. what does the gallbladder do? You know, it's, it's but just, yeah, unfortunately, we've, we've screwed up and lost a lot of animals for just stupid shit like that. You know, I, uh, I'm a big fan of the Oculus. Uh, you know, I'm doing some of that uh, VR, man. And I saw a quick uh, video. It was intense where I think it's, it's the white rhino, right? That's just about extinct. Believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So in Africa, they had this white rhino. And they had, uh, I'm trying to remember how many soldiers, at least two, maybe more. Their whole job was to just guard this white rhino from poachers 24 hours a day. And this, uh, this Oculus quick VR video of it was so intense because you could just feel that at any moment some poacher is still going to you know, give it a shot because that damn horn is worth a lot of money. And they, they actually uh, saw off the horns yeah. so the poachers would leave them alone. But my thought was always that there's always something left, right? And yeah. there's Nazola there that I think they're still killing them even though the, they, they cut off most of the horn. That's the other thing too. A lot of countries are trying to show how, how valuable these animals are alive. Sometimes, you know, and I'm not trying to defend anybody, but you know, the people that are often doing this, they don't care about the, the end product. They're just maybe feeding their family at that point. Right. So a lot, of, a lot of countries are trying to show like, look, keep that rhino alive and people will come and pay you to see it. <laughs> You of know, course, you know and that's course. that's happening in a lot of different countries. Not only with rhinos, but sharks and you know whales. I mean, look at whale. You know, we used to kill whales, but now whale watching is a giant industry. Massive. But man, that uh, that right whale sighting, and then you wrote it up, and uh, it was a big deal in the marine biology community. Man, yeah, I mean that. If, yeah, if anyone wants to read about that, that was in the Suffolk Times Review. If you just kind of write Google. Right whales and and fish guy photos, it'll it'll pop up, you know. But Dude, I pumped you up, and then you go, yeah, it was in the Suffolk Times. Like, just say yeah, man. It went all over the world. <laughs> well, no, I mean, <laughs> I, no. <laughs> I help you out. You're like, yeah, man, yeah. I'm I'm a big star now. It's printed in the Suffolk Times. It's online. Everybody in the world read it. No, no actually. <laughs> That paper oh, it was in the New York Times. On half of Long Island. I was trying to help you out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it did. It did get a lot of reach, though. I was uh, more so than most of my articles recently have gotten. That was uh, no, it was it was a freaking cool experience, man. It was, Dude, I've had I've had some great experiences with you. I gotta be honest, man. I never went well watching before we became friends. That was amazing. I never watched a red tail hawk, uh, fucking hunt. That was insane. We got to do that again in the in the fall. That we will definitely do. But the next thing I'm going to get you to do is, you know, uh, so one of the side projects I work on is I'm um, part of the um, Shark Research and Education Program for the South Fork Museum of Natural History. And um, we tag white sharks and, and other species of sharks. And uh, we've seen the last five years, we've tagged 35 or 36 white sharks right here on Long Island. So nice. I want to get you out on a boat, catch Hell a yeah. shark, help us tag it. Hell yeah. About it, whether we do it live or we come back and just kind of, no, live, like you did the whale watching. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that will be the next thing. We'll put you, we'll put a shark in your hands and, and get you to do all the science. Beautiful. We're, I'm all about it, man. You know, you've uh, allowed me to go whoa a lot in the last couple of years. <laughs> whoa, there's a lot of cool stuff, man. I mean, you know, it's funny. Like even like you know when I'm listening to the podcast when you're at the beach, I don't I don't get on the live streams too often because I'm usually working when they're on. But when yeah. I play them back. And I'm like, you're like, oh, that stupid bird. I'm like, that's a song, Sparrow. Just stop. You know, like I, I could hear the birds calling. And, you know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> my God. I'm like, I got I'm like, I got I to gotta text him and tell him that's a different bird. It's not, you know, it's not a stupid sparrow. It's a song, Sparrow. You know, I got, you know. Well, what, who cares? What does that mean, a song, Sparrow? There are a lot of birders. They'll probably get mad at me because I call a song, Sparrow, and I probably got that wrong. But. To birders, which is like the biggest hobby in the world. Yeah, birders are a different group. Oh, I hate bird watchers. So I, I do loops in Central Park, right? And you see those idiots walking around with their binoculars like, oh, I think that's a song sparrow. Where? Well, they're a bunch of farmers. And then they got little books like, oh, I can finally check off that I saw a song sparrow. Who cares? <laughs> Get a life. I'm going to turn you into a birder, Opie. I'm going to, I'm going to, watch you. The next time we give it a year, and you're like, you're going to be talking about birds. <laughs> no. Wait, no, you know, let me say, 
you you started gardening, right? Hell you yeah! Talking about how well you were talking about how you were getting older and you're you're doing gardening and stuff. Now you're gonna yeah. be a bird watcher. I'm gonna get you a pair of binoculars. No, <laughs> no way, man! Because half the time when I see him in Central Park, and supposedly Central Park has an insane park. variety of uh, birds for whatever reason. These people lose their mind, but then I hear half of them go, where? I don't see it. And half the time they're trying to find this thing with their stupid binoculars. So Central Park is a pretty cool spot if you're into birding. It's because, you know what, it's it's a giant metropolitan and you got this runway of green where birds will stop to rest. This winter there was a snowy owl in Central Park for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm gonna change your mind. You'll see. You know what? That I should have saved that for something else because a snowy uh, owl in Central Park. I was okay. gonna, I'll, I'll give you that. that. That's a pretty cool badass bird right there. I'll give you that. It's better than seeing all the rats, which there's so many more rats in Central Park. Oh my goodness! And I've seen uh, I've seen raccoons in Central Park, uh, possums, rats, squirrels, of course, these stupid birds and the bird watchers. Uh, but I still haven't seen the coyotes that come down through the tracks. Uh, yeah. That that's... sounds impossible to me, but every once in a while in Central Park, there's a coyote sighting in the middle of this giant city. But uh, but then again, there are parts of Central Park where you, you would, would swear you're in the complete wilderness way outside of uh, the city. But they come down through the Amtrak tunnels from up north, and they end up in Central Park every once in a while. There's a population that some of my colleagues are studying in Nassau, Nassau County. There's a population. They got a den. They've had pups. And it's just a matter of time before they're all over the island also. I mean, it's... Uh, Coyotes? Yeah. Yeah. There's even reports of them out by, out by you. You know, not not as far out, but like in Bridgehampton, there's been reports of uh, coyotes. Um, it's really? one of those animals that's able to live amongst us and there's plenty of food and... They were here historically. It's just a matter of time before they come back. Well, I don't mind the coyotes because they take away a lot of the yip-yap dogs. <laughs> they also get rid of a lot of deer, too. That's that's kind of the key. Do they? Yeah, I mean, you know, they'll eat fawns. So, you know, with ticks and all the, the Lyme disease and all that other nonsense we got to deal with, the more predators that we have eating deer uh, to keep the population in, in at a healthy level would be would be welcome. Yeah. Well, we got the giant ospreys uh, out here on Long Island. Those are pretty – there doesn't seem to be a lot of those. There's a lot of – they've made a giant comeback. I mean, in the 60s – What is an osprey? I mean, their wingspan is pretty – It's a pretty, it's a hawk. It's, they, they'll call them a fish hawk. It's a type of hawk. It is a bird of prey. Um, but th that's a bird that got wiped out due to DDT. So 60s and 70s, there were no osprey. They were, they were gone. Uh, DDT was a chemical they used for uh, killing mosquitoes. Okay. And it would get the food chain, and would, the ultimate goal with uh, end point with an osprey was it would make their eggshells so thin that when they would sit on them, they'd crush them and kill oh, them. Oh, I remember that story. So that, that happened for them, peregrine falcons, uh, bald eagles, pelicans, vultures. Yeah. But they banned DDT in the 70s. They've made a huge comeback. Now, now you see them quite a bit, you know, on telephone poles, building nests. And things. Yeah. All right, I got I got one thing about birds I like now that we've been talking about them for a little bit. So when I'm surf casting for my striped bass, every once in a while you'll see a bird coming back from the ocean and they'll have they'll have fish in their in their talons or claws or whatever the hell, their little little bird feeties mm -hmm. that, that sometimes are like this big. And the bird and the um the fish is like, what the fuck? And it's it's trying to swim. And realize it's way up in the air and it's no longer in the ocean. Can you imagine being that fish? You're minding your own business. And next thing you know, you're 100, 200 yards in the air trying to swim as this thing has a death grip on you as it brings it back to its nest. <laughs> well, that's that's why on the whale watch trip I talked about bunker. You know, this is a fish that everything eats, you know. So yeah. whales swallow them whole. Dolphins eat them. Bluefish bite them in half. And then you get an osprey that out of nowhere crashes in the water, sticks eight talons into your back. And as you said, flies through the air. You're like, oh, crap, what's going on? They bring you to a pole. They then pluck you your eyes out first. Then they start pulling on your gills. Oh, yeah, really? that's a way to go. Oh, they don't, they don't play, huh? No, not at all. Not at all. I, I, all right, I got another bird thing. So when I'm on my deck, this is the weirdest thing. So all the houses obviously are lined up. And at the end of the day, the seagulls 
maybe you could explain this, but they use the top of the houses like it's a like it's a highway. And and as the sun's going down, especially, there'll be seagull traffic just flying from, you know, uh, over all the houses and they, they're heading uh, they're heading west as the sun is setting. And man, if they see me on the deck for whatever reason, they blast me with shit. <laughs> Do you know anything about that? It has happened. It has happened too many times where I'm like, these motherfuckers are doing this on purpose. Hey, if if you were a bird and you could drop shit on somebody as you fly by, wouldn't you? Oh, 100%. <laughs> that's your answer. That's all. Like, watch this. Watch, like, hey, hey, Frank, watch what we do to Opie. Watch this. Right? You know? 100% I would do that. You know me well. You know me well. But, man, watching those birds come back from the ocean with a fish and the talons, and this fish is like, what the fuck? Let me live. Oh, I got another bird thing. See, you, see, you told me you didn't like birds, and it was all these little bird things. Yeah. I was driving down a lazy country road way out here, going back to the beach. And next thing I know, I hear a bam on the side of my car. I get out to investigate. There's a huge dent in the side of my, at the time, brand new truck. And, uh, and then I look around. A fucking seagull used my truck to try to break a clam, dropping them from the sky. And, and then uh, if, you're, if you're looking around, you'll see that these seagulls, will use parking lots and roads all the time to drop their their prey and try to get to the the goodness inside the shells and whatnot. Oh yeah, they're not, they're they not dropped a giant clam and it hit the side of my car. I thought kids were throwing rocks at me. <laughs> they're not dumb and you know you know if you if you sit there and you watch them, if they drop it and it doesn't break, the next yeah. time they bring it up they'll go higher. And if really? it doesn't break they'll go higher. They know they know about gravity. They'll get it to, they'll get it to work. And, you know, the other thing, too, with the gulls, you know, often people give them an idea of the rap of being scavengers and rats with wings eating garbage. You know how many times in the wintertime, especially, I've seen them kill ducks to eat? Really? They'll just, they'll pounce on them, they'll drown them, and they'll pull them up on land to eat them. Wow. Yeah, seagulls are, seagulls are evil, man. They're scavengers for real. They're out there year round. They got to find food. So they do whatever they can. You know, we're not out there in the summer, wintertime, putting out french fries and dough, you know, dough balls and stuff. I got another one I just remembered. So, uh, you know, we fish a lot, and we always have some kind of either beers or snacks or whatever, and, and a lot of stuff in plastic bags. And they'll they'll take the whole plastic bag, and then they'll figure out what it is later and, um, you know, and eat it or whatever. One seagull, one day, I had my fucking phone in a plastic bag so it wouldn't get wet, right? This thing took it, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. But long story short, about I don't know, not not that far. He dropped it, realizing maybe it was too heavy to bring back. I don't know, but I lucked out so bad. But this thing took my cell phone and my pla in, in this plastic bag away and dropped it. Thank God. They're not dumb. I've lost I've lost fish that I've caught. You know, leaving them un, un, unguarded on the dock or something, and they oh yeah, them and they're not they're def they're definitely not dumb. But you know, hey, without the birds, you wouldn't know where the fish are either. You know how many sure. times all of a sudden you see that flock of fish, the birds going nuts, and you know exactly what's going on underneath the bass bluefish. When you do a lot of um, uh, surf casting, every once in a while these giant waves will just knock a fish out of the ocean. So one day um, that that very thing happened, a, a sea robin, which we all hate if we're – You if hate. I, I love the sea robin. Well, right, you gave me the, uh, the sea robin ceviche, and it was actually really tasty, but – uh, yeah, because everyone walks by me and they're like, you know, those things are good to eat. I'm like, good for you. Once you hear, I'll get you ten. You bring them home and try to figure out how to eat these dumb things. They they don't look they don't look they look bizarre. Like they come from another planet because they they kind of walk on the bottom of the ocean. They can also swim, and then they got big giant like uh, wings on them. Is the only way I can explain it. So this. Uh, the sea robin gets knocked out of the water by a giant wave. The waves were huge out here uh, one day. And so I'm like, ah, God. And I hate sea robins, but I'm also like, I, I care about nature and, and things. So I felt like I had to like uh, get it back into the ocean. So I kind of used my foot because you know that they got the, what what are they that will just poke in? And it, well, they, got, they got spines on their gills in the yeah, back. They got spines all over the place. So. It's not a fish that you could easily pick up, although you can pick it up through its uh, its mouth, I guess, yep. which I do, or squeeze it a little bit around the mouth. Too much information, I understand. 
So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to carefully try to kick it back into the ocean without hurting it. And I got it into the ocean, but then the next wave pushed it back out. And then I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm walking toward this thing to try to get it back into the ocean. And a seagull, I, I saw the shadow behind me. I'm like, what the hell was that? This thing swooped in with its, with its wings wide open right over my head and got to the damn thing before me. And within seconds, it took that beak of it of, of theirs and just pecked away at the, at, this, um, at the sea robin's skull. And within seconds, the thing was dead and it was feasting. I'm like, oh, my God, nature's a mother effer. Eat or be eaten, man. That's that's the that's the that's the uh, it's eat or be eaten, man. There's always something bigger that's going to eat you. You know. Well, that's what uh, that's what me and Carl used to joke about because I'll get these people. They don't even realize I I truly am in, in general. Uh, I lean toward being an uh, environmentalist, and I don't really keep a lot of the fish I catch. Most of them go back. I, I have a few keepers every year, and we'll eat those. But um, so you always have somebody walking by that wants to give you shit for fishing and whatnot. And, uh, but, but I, I try to, I try to throw most of them back, man. So, but with Carl, I'm like, I want to tell these people that, uh, you know, when you pull a fish out of the ocean, they get a break in their life because the whole time in there, they're in the ocean, something's trying to eat them. I mean, the stress these damn fish must feel on a regular basis because, they don't they don't get a minute of rest there's always something that's trying to eat them so my theory is when we pull them out of the water they basically want to thank us like thanks for the rest before i go back into that hell hole that is the ocean i you're i mean you're right even the big sharks have something that's bigger than them that's trying to eat them it's it's it, it never it yeah you never get a rest i mean you know that's and that's in, in nature in general man there's always yeah. something that's gonna it's gonna try to eat you. Oh, you gotta tell me uh, the name of the fish that 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 goofy fish that doesn't look like it could take care of itself. That the mola mola. Yeah, the mola mola, where the where the guys with that heavy Boston accent were like, "Hey, it's a baby whale," and they wanted to kill it. They wanted to save it. They didn't know what the fuck to do with this damn thing. And you said that there's a lot of them out here on uh, yeah. Long Island. I have I haven't seen one this year, but the weather's been crap. I haven't been able to get out on my boat that much because it's always. As you know, you live down. It's windy every damn day this year. So oh yeah, but yeah, they they get a thousand pounds and eat jellyfish. I mean, they're they're completely harmless. But like you said, it doesn't look like this animal should survive. It just uh, yeah. What's their deal? Why are they like that? They're incredibly slow. They're at the surface most of the time. They look like you know they they look a little funny to be honest with you. But as crazy as they look and how slow they are, they still breach. They jump three feet out of the water, completely out of the water. You yeah. Know? So even a dumb looking fish like this still has enough momentum to get its body going to fly out of the water. Oh, there was another thing that I got to do because of you, and that was to pet an octopus. I forgot about that. That was pretty freaking cool. And that octopus has to be dead because they don't. I didn't know, but octo, octopi, octopus, octopuses, they uh, they don't last long, man. They only last like a year, year and a half. Yeah, our, our the local species that we get around here about a year and a half from from birth to death. You know, they they spawn reproduce you know give birth once and uh that's it you know the giant pacific they maybe see in the aquarium they're like three years blue ring octopus you see on like that geo they're like six months that's about it so yeah short their yeah. whole life is six months yeah and they're they're highly intelligent so their whole their whole life they're just thinking to themselves ah i'm gonna die <laughs> dude if they if they could live longer they take over the world man they are super intelligent you know it's it's crazy how I've had them you know, give them a jar with food in it, and they figure it out within a couple of days on how to open the jar, and they get faster and faster every time you give it to them. Of course they figure it out, and they get uh, faster and faster because, you know, to them, that was 10 years of their life trying to figure <laughs> yeah, yeah. that shit out. O octopus years. <laughs> that is so tragic if you think about it. They're, everyone says, all the experts say that they're highly intelligent, but they, they have a very, very short life. Yeah. And you know that's how they're successful, though to be you know to be able to be that smart and figure out you know to make it a year and you know because a lot of animals don't make it. I mean, shit, they you know I mean even an octopus when they give you know when their eggs hatch, there's thousands of octopus. They don't all right. survive, you know. So you know the I, fact that they're that intelligent, you know. Here, answer John McHugh's uh, question, Opie. Can you pin a link of where we could see Chris speak? I didn't catch the beginning. The, the best thing to do is follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Twitter, I hate Twitter, but I'm there. Uh, YouTube, Vimeo, I'm even on TikTok. But um, 
What are you doing on TikTok? I'm on it. I've had a few. I've had a few Emmy hits that have gotten me over a million views. I'm pretty excited. What? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, um, what videos? It was. But it's, it's. I don't. I don't get the logarithms and how they do stuff. But I, you know, when I'm out hunting with Emmy, I always would finish what are flying to my fist and I put them on. And I have a bunch of them. And one, the last time I checked, was like 1.5 million views. So that was pretty sweet. Wow. I'm, I took that. I'm, I'm going to post my Emmy, the red-tailed hawk, flying into, it, into my like on TikTok. They, um, I took that. By the way, TikTok has become dirty, dirty, dirty. <laughs> I, I haven't been on TikTok in a while, and I uh, I was fortunate, uh, fortunate enough that last thunderstorm that rolled through New York City, I got a million lightning strikes on camera. So I threw a little quick montage, and I threw it on my TikTok. I think I'm OP Radio on TikTok as well, whatever. Uh, but I... But my account was pretty much dead for the last year. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't even checking TikTok. I went on there. Oh my God, every every woman is like braless now. <laughs> and they make it believe like, ah, oh, we're just going along with the trend. I'm like, no, you're not. You're you're using your body to try to get a million fucking views on your video. I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying that they have upped their game on yeah. TikTok. Oh my God. Yeah, TikTok, TikTok's, TikTok's a weird, weird spot. But, you know, but to answer John's question, though, if you follow me on social media, I usually plug where I'm speaking. Uh, lately, I've been, you know, I, I do a lot of virtual stuff lately because everything's been, you know, which I'm okay with, to be honest with you, because the virtual talk for me is easier and I make yeah. the same amount of money if I'm driving an hour. So, right. um, you know, so I, do, cool. I usually post some, Instagram is my prime account. I, I would follow me there on Instagram. But then uh, if you're out here on the East End, I'll be speaking at River at Uber Geek Brewing Company on July 8th at seven o'clock. So that's food truck, beer, you know, and I'll Dude, be. Dude, I highly recommend. That's a great night out because uh, you're really interesting. You always pick great topics. You got the cool local brewery. You got the food truck. It's a really nice, uh, a, a really nice time. And you're in agreement that climate change is all bullshit, right? What's that? <laughs> I said you're in agreement that climate change is all bullshit, right? No, no. I'm, I mean, I see it. I mean, we I, there's things that I. You know, it drives I, me nuts. Why would you listen to a politician over a marine biologist and scientists? I don't get it. My, I mean, scientists have it have their own spin and their own agendas. I'm not stupid. You know, they, they're not pure. But, <laughs> but at the very least, I will listen to scientists over politicians when it comes to global warming slash climate change. The, the, I think, you know what? In my experience from the people I've that I've talked about climate change with, it's not that they don't believe climate change is happening. They don't believe that we could affect the climate. That's right. the difference. And that's been, you know... And that's been my experience. It's not because a lot of the answers, well, well, we were in an ice age at one point of our career, you know, of this earth climb. Now we're in a heating stage. And you're right. That's definitely happening. But to, for me to step back and I just look at a small scale, like just look at small scale stuff that we do. Like, you know, we have uh, we're out where I'm out on Shinnecock Bay. We get these brown tides and these rust tides. You go down to Florida, get these, these, these um, red tides. And yes, people like right away, like, why are we getting these tides? And we're like, oh, there's so many people putting fertilizers on their grass, septic water going into the ground, blah, 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 you know, and it blooms these things. I'm like, oh, so we can affect the whole Shinnecock Bay? You know, that's just the population that lives on Shinnecock Bay. And if you expand that, you know, to the world, I mean, you've got billions of people. You don't think we're going to have some sort of impact when we're cutting down trees? I don't want to get any hate sent at me. I'm not a dirty hippie who's like, oh, you know, I fish, I hunt. I mean, there's stuff behind me that, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, using it and not abusing it. That's that's the difference, you know. I hear you. Um, well, you taught me another thing. I, I called you. You might remember this a couple summers ago. And I'm like, Chris, I, I, I was swimming with my kids in the ocean. It was a calm day, and we're just kind of swimming around. The waves weren't too crazy, and we're just kind of chilling out. And all of a sudden, there was a, a tropical fish swimming around my leg. And I'm like, this can't be. Like, we're on Long Island. The, the yeah. ocean only gets warm for what like four weeks five weeks man. no but see but that and, this, so and this sorry, is hold on so I, I called you i'm like chris is it is it possible that i'm seeing tropical fish off of long island and, and take it from here so yeah so so that's what's funny about that is that actually has nothing to do with climate change in fact oh, well, I, there you go. so i see less tropical fish than i used to when i was a kid so the tropical fish, they drift here on the Gulf Stream. That's nature. They fish spawn. They release eggs and sperm into the water. Things fertilize, and you get these little fish, and they drift. And that's how they settle in new spots. 
the Gulf Stream is like a river of water. It comes out of the Caribbean. It comes up the coast. It's about 100 miles off of Montauk. And it starts making a right and it eventually ends up in Europe. And tropical fish would drift and crabs and shrimp and all sorts of stuff. And you get these little eddies that break off and they bring it in inshore. That's all current based. So as climate change, you know, so people are like, oh, but the, you know, no, those that's been happening since the Atlantic Ocean was first formed. The problem we're seeing lately is when you have climate change, you get different weather patterns and different winds and stuff like that. So I've actually found less tropical fish in the last five or six years than I did when I was a kid. Because yeah. lately the wind is always southwest. It's coastal. It blows dirty Jersey water our way. Sorry, Jersey. Uh, as opposed to like in the, when it used, to, <laughs> it used to be southeast and blowing that clean Gulf Stream water with all those tropical fish. Now what we see, though, because of climate change, things like go to my YouTube channel. Look back last September. I posted a video. I was, I don't know, four or 500 yards off of Ponquag Beach in Hampton Bays. And yeah. I was catching false albacore, which is a t small tuna that you get in shore. And after I caught a bunch, I was like, ah, you know, I'm going to put the drone up. It'd be neat to see the action. And I get the drone up, and I was my jaw hit the bottom of the boat because there were 30 sharks. They were spinning wow. black tips. Like, if you can't tell unless you have one in your hand because they're very similar. But they were 8 to 10 feet long. There were 30 of them, only a couple hundred yards from the beach, ripping through bait fish. And that's not because of the Gulf Stream. That's because they're shifting north so they're common in jersey now they're starting to be common in long Island. you know so wow. they, because things are warming up they're shifting but because of weather pattern changes i'm not seeing the butterfly fish like i used to and the groupers and the trigger fish and all that kind of stuff um it, that, because patterns are changing so you know like i said that i think that's been my experience with with it is it's you know and it's it's an ugly topic and i'll probably get some hate thrown at me for saying it but but it's it's it is what it is. You can't deny temperature. The planet is warming, whether you want to believe we have a factor in it or not. That's I, a different story altogether. I believe uh, we absolutely have a hand in this. Maybe not the whole thing, but we absolutely have a hand in it. Oh my God, we lost we lost one of the regulars. They're like, uh, global warming's not real. COVID's not real. It's just tyrants, governments trying to control us. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Hey, you know, and like I said, you got to you got to take what you've been experienced with and go with with you that you know it's I like I said I work with people and I see I see numbers I mean you, know, you put a thermometer in the water it's it's not difficult to do that you know um, well, I would just yeah, suggest that before you make your decision on that you should maybe uh, you know research a whole bunch of scientists that study this stuff uh, as their entire careers instead of listening to some dopey politician telling you. Sure. And I'm not gonna, you know, and, and just like politics, there are scientists that have agendas also. I'm not gonna of say course. They're, they're not perfect, obviously, yes. No. And and some of the politicians use some of these dirty scientists to help them along, but of course. Money politicians talks. aren't studying this shit. No. But again, you gotta you gotta look at both sides and then make a decision on it. And you know, like I said, to some people it's they don't, you know, they, they don't see an effect. But you know, I, I look at things like, you know. The DDT with the Osprey, like we talked about earlier. People back then were like, ah, oh, I hate mosquitoes. I want to, who gives, you know, they didn't see what was going to happen 30 and 40 years after that. that it, it destroyed whole things. And in fact, if they were successful at killing mosquitoes, we'd be in a lot of freaking problems right now. As much as we hate mosquitoes, there are so many organisms that depend on mosquitoes. And if you right. were to eradicate mosquitoes, entire food chains would collapse, which would ultimately affect us. And you know, people don't always see that part of it. Did I ever tell you my mosquito story? So across the street is another body of water. And then in the summer, you get the sun setting all nights. This is what's so weird about living on the ocean. We don't get any mosquitoes. Right. Uh, you get mosquitoes maybe five five days of summer, maybe. And that's when the air, the, the air is so just just stale and not moving at all, which is very rare. There's always a breeze coming off that ocean, which is nice. Cools everything down in the middle of the summer while everyone is dying of the heat. But you walk across the street to that other body of water, and a lot of people want to do that to watch the sun go down in the summer and get their lovely uh, videos and pictures for their Instagram. We, we haven't done that in years because as soon as you cross the street, you'll be eaten alive by mosquitoes, which is so weird. And when we have gas, we try to explain this to them. But they're on on the beach on the ocean side all day. They're not getting bit at all. So they're like, "There's no fucking bugs or mosquitoes around here." They cross the street. 
to try to get the sunset picture, and they come back like, oh, my God, I should have listened to him. They're, they just got lumps all over their face. They get, I, I, You can't even count that high. It would take you a couple minutes to count all the bites they had, and they were only over there for two minutes trying to get a dumb sunset picture. It's yeah. crazy. Yep. That's and and we, you're, you're talking, about it, it's probably more of like a marsh. It's not probably open water. It's, oh, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. So that's it. that's breeding habitat for them. But again, all those birds that you see, they eat the mosquitoes. Then you know, it's, and then if you kill the mosquitoes and the birds die, then the things that eat the birds would die. And it it, it it's a food chain. And then there's so many fish that eat mosquito larvae. And like I said, the people don't realize the connection. And and that's you know, it's it's all even those stupid sea robins. Without them, <laughs> without them, something else negatively gets affected, you know, and um, it's 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 so interconnected. And that's the biggest, you know, and that's, I, you know, it's funny. It's like it's like that everywhere on this planet. Every animal is dependent on something or has an effect on something else. Too often we think that we don't have an effect. You know, we're we're outside of that. We're we're nature, man. We're we're, we're part of nature. We're just a little bit higher up on the uh Evolutionary yeah. line. Well, Jennifer Ferris, though, she still says "fuck mosquitoes." Yeah, <laughs> fuck mosquitoes, still though. Yeah, well, man. Because- we want to have a peaceful barbecue there, uh, Chris. <laughs> well, I mean, the one that I've had a hard time defending, but I, I have been able to defend it was ticks. It was like, all right, tell me what the hell we need ticks for, you know? And it's there are a lot of ins- a lot of birds and other animals that eat ticks. I mean, it's- yeah, but, but but if they don't have ticks, they'll find something else to eat. There's a plenty of stupid bugs that you the would- bugs will be left when we ruin uh, Earth. Yeah, they'll be bugs the will survive. So fuck them. <laughs> and, and ticks are scary, man. Man, when you get a tick crawling on the back of your neck, which happened to me uh, driving back back to my house on that lonely country road, I, I almost drove off the road. I said this recently on the podcast. It, it ticks creep me out when they're crawling on your body, trying to find where they can latch on and give you that damn Lyme disease. See, and I'm in the pine barren, so unfortunately, ticks are a daily part of my life. I mean, I'm I I got tick bites pretty regularly. I got tested pretty regularly too. Knock on wood, I've been okay so far. But a good a good friend of mine just got diagnosed with uh, alpha gal, which is the disease the, the uh, illness where you can't eat meat. So how do you get that ticks? Ticks. Yeah, and you get allergic to mammal meat, so beef, pork. Uh, for us that hunt squirrels and rabbits and deer and all that kind of stuff, you can eat chicken, you can eat fish. It's not a problem. But the some cases, the alpha gal allergy gets so bad they could kill you. I did not know that. I didn't need to know that. Yeah, that's another one. Rocky Mountain fever. I mean, it ticks right. carry so many diseases. It's not even funny. But at least you can swim in the ocean, and nothing's really going to fuck you up in the ocean, right? Sure. <laughs> we don't have we don't have those uh tiny little fish that swim up the pee hole on long that's island. that's an amazon fish All right, good. It, but we don't have that on long island at least right no no but you know and and generally on long island we don't have any venomous fish you know so you don't have to worry about getting uh, i mean oh no i take that back because we do occasionally get scorpion fish in the summertime uh and i would say we don't have any poisonous fish but we do get some tropical puffers that are kill you if you eat them so yeah, I mean, we're just, we're not Australia where everything will kill you, you know? Those stupid pee hole fish, they're twisted, man. Yeah. They're, they're twisted. Why Why do they decide they need to go up your, your pee hole? And then what happens? Do they start eating away? They latch on and it's surgery to remove it. It's not a good oh day. God. <laughs> but things fill niches, you know? There was obviously a niche there. There was no fish that were feeding on that part of an animal. And they say, hey, I'm going to take advantage of this. That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> All right. We're, we've babbled enough. Oh, I, I want to see a couple things in your office there. So you got Emmy, the red-tailed hawk. I went hunting with her. This was the first squirrel that she killed. Oh, and you got the tail still. <laughs> <laughs> a tree cut down by a beaver. You saved that? That's kind of cool. I used, you got to remember, I do a lot of educational stuff, so this kind of comes in as a prop. And if All right. Picks up, you can hit them with it. <laughs> and, uh, but I think probably this was wow. That's a rack. So this is a moose antler. My I was uh, say moose, right on. So my wife's family's got a cabin up in Maine, and uh, we found this behind the cabin. Really? Yeah. One one thing people don't realize with moose, deer, elk, they shed these every year. So they grow brand new antlers. Like right now, if you go down to your beach and you see any bucks, they're going to have small little fuzzy fur yeah. antlers. They call that velvet. By the end of August or September, 
they're fully grown, and what they'll do is they rub their antlers on a tree and rape all, uh, scrape all that off. Right. It's all bloody and nasty, but it's hard and bone underneath it. And then they use that for trying to attract a mate, fight off other males. But deer do that, moose do that. So, yeah, this moose antler grew within a couple months, and then they drop it off. I've never seen a, a, a moose. And I lived in, uh, you know, Boston. We'd go up to New Hampshire and Vermont, and there's a uh, – what's that road up there, the Kankamangus Highway? Have you ever heard of that place? And you, you check out the fall foliage. And as you're on this windy road, I guarantee they film a lot of uh, TV commercials in that area, you know, when the leaves are just right, car commercials and whatnot. And you'll be driving along, mind your own business, uh, you know, peeking at the leaves or peeping, peeping at the leaves. Leaf and all of a sudden, everyone will pull over immediately and jump out of their cars because uh, obviously somebody saw a moose as they're looking out the side uh, window and it's right off the highway. And then they run. And then I'm always the guy, I stop and it's too late. The moose is gone and I've never seen one. But it's such a, a cock tease, man, with all these cars pulling off. We so, so we go up to the cabin every September. We got a bunch of us that go up there and we spend the time up there. And again, we found that behind the camp. Um, and mo I've seen, mo I've never seen a bull, which is the male with the big antlers. I've seen cow cows, I've seen calves. I've never personally seen a bull, but most of our friends have never seen one. So they... We kind of joke around. They call them woodland unicorns because I ah, forget it doesn't <laughs> exist. There's no such thing. But they're a thousand pounds, and they can disappear into the woods without making a sound. It's just amazing. Uh, really? Yeah. How, how tall are they? I mean, so my father-in-law, I used to have a full, the old school full-size blazer, like the really tall one, and he has a picture of a of a bull moose standing next to his blazer. And it's the same height. Really? Yeah. Wow. I saw elk in the the whole rainforest. I got cocky and they, they chased me. I, I was scared out of my mind. So the whole rainforest is up there on the Pacific Northwest outside Seattle. And uh, it's a rainforest. Yep. And uh, it's every color of green and blues that you'll ever see in your life. It's amazing to walk in the whole rainforest. And we're walking and, and you have to like try to climb over trees that fell down in the woods like 200 years ago. I mean, you think your life means anything. Go into the whole rainforest and you'll see these trees that fell 200 years ago minimum with a giant tree growing out of the tree that is on the, the forest uh, floor now using using that tree to, to whatever, nourish itself and grow. And you know that tree's been growing for the last 50, 60, 70 years. You're like, oh, my God, my life means nothing. What am I doing? Nothing. So we're trying to climb over these giant trees. Takes a lot of effort because we're trying to get deeper and deeper into the whole rainforest. And my buddy, I did radio with him at uh, WAF, the only station that really rocks. And he moved to Seattle and we went to visit him. And uh, all of a sudden he's like, I think I see some elk. And he's trying to warn me because he's more of a nature guy, way more of a nature guy than me. And I'm like, oh, that's fucking cool, you know? So I'm trying to get closer, and he's like, I wouldn't do that if I was you. I'm like, get out of here. Yeah, you know, I just assume in nature most things are scared of you, and they're going to scatter. Man, this, this elk looked up and said, fuck you, and this thing started charging at me. I panicked trying to get all these giant logs back into, into safety, and this thing is leaping them like they're nothing, man. No, they're enormous. Yeah, and their antlers are are crazy. You know, they're crazy long and spines. And right. Yeah, that's it's that's a that's a big animal, man. You know, and and, and uh, well, yeah. I went from being so cocky to scared out of my mind within seconds. I'm like, okay, all right, nature doesn't fucking play, man. Well, that's the thing, man. In the fall, those guys in the fall are really, uh, you know, they're 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 adrenaline is pumped up because they're trying to find some ass you know so they're chasing anything they can oh dude and then, then you get the ones in the in the late fall or in early winter that get into the fermenting apples yeah they get drunk really you know, like staggering and you know just yeah oh it's 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 kind of crazy man they uh it, it's yeah it's pretty wild they just chase anything they possibly can they and that's why i mean you, you'll if you notice out here when you're out where you got driving around those back roads november Early November, you'll see a lot of dead deer because the bucks are just, they're in rut and they're just, they don't, they're not even thinking. They're just chasing does and they run out into roads, they get whacked by cars. So that, that first, like last week in October into like the second or third week in November, man, they are just one thing on their mind, man. They just run out in the roads, they get hit all the time. That That's when you're going to see a spike of, of hits, you know. I just learned something because I always wondered why there are so many deer that get hit by cars because 
they seem pretty smart and intelligent. I got five around this house. And I'm waiting for the day there's four. And I'm like, all right, who's the mother effer that decided to take one of my deer out? Because now they they feel like part of our, our environment out here. We see them almost every day as the sun's going down. And you watch across the street. They're pretty smart. You pretty much see them go like this, looking both ways. Like they're, they know what they're doing. And then you see them dead all over the place. So that's because they're so crazed that they're they're just chasing tail during during that time of year. Yeah, that's when the that's so the so the the antlers grow all summer. They eat and they do that stuff, and then when that they shed that velvet, but and then it starts to get a little cold, and the days get a little shorter. They get in the rut and they start chasing. And then that, yeah, I mean I mean I've been in the woods. I'll never forget this day. This I'm sitting here and I'm just standing there and I see this doe running at me. And she's bouncing, and she sees me, and she flies over that way. And I'm like, what the – and I look, and there's this buck with his big antlers, and he's running, and his tongue is hanging out. And he ran right at me. He was like five feet from me, and he's like – and he's wagging it. He's huffing and puffing. He's like, he didn't even see me. He didn't care that I was there. And he's like, oh, there she is. And he went right after – he did not wow. even – no idea that I was there, you know. But they do that, and the doe runs across the road, and he's like, oh, oh. And then you – know. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Listen, Chris, I got your big plug on the big screen there. Yeah, Fish Guy Photos on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Vimeo, uh, TikTok. It's the same thing, but I, I like Instagram. That's where I spend most of my time. All right, Chris, thank you so much. Hey, man, thank um, you. Got the plug, blah, blah, blah. I'll see you soon. Yeah, let's I'll do be- sharks, man. Sharks soon. Like probably next one is sharks. Hopefully end, in a end of June, week. I'm thinking. End of June, early July. We'll pick a day. We'll go, we'll go catch some sharks and get your hands on a shark and tag it and do all that kind of fun stuff. All right, we'll talk soon. Obviously. We'll talk soon, man. We'll do some fishing or something before that. So the shark thing. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, man, that's gonna be good stuff. All cool. right, there goes Chris Fish Guy photos on all the socials, Instagram and YouTube and whatnot. Guys, have a great weekend. We'll see you hopefully on uh, Monday, Monday morning. Thanks for the love. Thanks for the support. If you gave me a few bucks, I really appreciate that. Keeps me uh, motivated to 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 turn this damn thing on. And what else? Uh, ah. No plugs. That's it for the plugs. Get a shirt. OpiRadio.com. What the hell?